What is up? Anthony Vasquez here with my boy and my business coach, Vic Pierantoni. Awesome all-around guy. We're going to go deep. We're going to talk about how to confront challenges that face you in the workplace, how to dig deeper, how to live a more meaningful and purposeful life, and most importantly, how to find the soul back in your work. I can't thank Vic enough for joining us today, and I'm super excited to bring you this hour of content now. All right, hey everybody. So today I got my boy Vic Pierantoni here, um, all around badass, martial artist, life coach, business coach, um, my personal business coach. We worked together for a year and a half, uh, and we're just going to talk about everything involving that. You know, the culture you brought to my company, all the hurdles you made me overcome. You know, open book on everything we discussed today, and I'm super excited to to have you here and to be able to share all the things that we've we've worked on, we've accomplished over the past two years. Likewise. So cheers. Cheers to that. Cheers, man. We drink some bourbon because it's late at night. (laughs) And let's let's get to it. So, you know, Vic, over us getting to know each other and and, and all the things we discussed. Yes. One of the main focal points, I think, for small business people, you know, I'm in the wedding world, wedding photography. And one thing that I never had access to was an HR department. So my friend, vice president, JP Morgan, he goes, why do you have a business coach? And I'm like, dude, I'm like, what do you do when you have a problem? He's like, well, I have like a team and I have a team of HR people and a team of this people. Make sure you're staying in line. (laughs) He goes, what do you have? I'm like, well, I have myself. Um, I have Sylvia, my manager. and, And that's really it. And he goes, oh, and he got it at that point. Right. So you know, there were hurdles, like I think any business owner goes through in life and, and in business. And, and some of those for me were, you know, how to really uh, cultivate and build a culture within a company Yes, that not only am I proud of, that I want to be part of, uh, but that people want to be part of. And in, in attracting that type of talent and mm-hmm. One thing we really spoke about was atta- attracting people who have the correct moral compass. Yes, uh, who who believed in something bigger than themselves. And you know, if you could just kind of give me some feedback on on the feedback you gave me and yes. how you helped me build that, <laughs> and, and for people well. out there. So absolutely. So the, the the whole purpose of actually looking into the, some of those details when you're bringing somebody into a company is specifically to pinpoint exactly what it is the type of person that you want to bring into the company. Right. This is your business. It's like a family. There are certain people that you wouldn't allow in your family based on their values, right? You wouldn't let them into your home. Same thing with your business. So ultimately, we want to know, basically, can this person do a job? Are they, do they have the ability to do it? Are they the type of person who will do it long-term, continuously? And overall, are they aligned when it comes to their purpose? Are they aligned with you? And do they believe in what you believe in? So Simon Sinek, I'm sure you've you've, (laughs) you've heard a lot of him. He always talks about this idea of, People who share the same why, the same belief system, will have each other's backs. They'll they'll form that tribe-like mentality. And that's essentially what we were doing with you when we started coaching. Because it seemed as though you had one set of values and everybody on the team had a completely different set of values. <laughs> They're no longer here, by the way. So it starts there, right? It's human beings were made for each other. You know, so one piece of philosophy that I always use when it comes to my coaching and my brand is stoicism, right? That's a huge part of my brand. And Marcus Aurelius mm-hmm. was was, you know, one of the prominent Stoics of the age, one of the best known ones. And one thing that he would always say is that human beings are made for each other. We're made to cooperate. And it's very difficult to cooperate when you are with people who you don't exactly share that vision or value set with. So that's one of the reasons why it was super important to get on board with that first. 
you know, so, and I think one of the people in my industry face, right, is that we're a massive industry, multi-billion dollar industry. But when you come down to it, we're just a, a collaborative small group of business owners. Yes. So we don't have access, like we just talked about, to those people at JP Morgan, where we can say, hey, I need someone to lean on or yes. I need some advice or, you know, I don't even know where to begin. And sometimes reading a book isn't enough. You need that person to be able to engage in that conversation with to say, hey, and maybe if you look at it this way or maybe if you look at it that way, you know, you start to see things very, the world, not just that, you start to see the world very differently from the eyes of another perspective. The other thing is, you know, I I know that you did this really well is you'd call me on my bullshit. You'd go, well, what are you hiring (laughs) that person for? You know? And one thing you really pointed out, I think, which was great. And I think this applies to everyone in, in my industry is you told me to hire on potential, right? Don't just look at what that person is today. Look at who that person could be tomorrow. Correct. Yeah, and you you want to because it's somebody with a vision that's going to be able to really carry it out. If you have somebody who's awesome at what they do, they're capable of doing the job, but they're comfortable, they're satiated, and they don't have any desire to grow. They just want to kind of you know park somewhere in terms of a, a career and be comfortable. That's not the type of person that you want in your business. You want somebody who's hungry. And I know a lot of the, the new staff that you have, they have that hunger within yep. them, right? They have that desire to be better, to grow, to do better for their families, and also to to contribute to a deeper purpose, which is the whole thing behind your culture now. Yeah. And, you know, I think for for all of us in my industry, and I think something you pointed out is we've spoken about at length, it can be really stressful. You know, we're giving up 40 weekends a year, time with your family. And I know people across my industry really do struggle with this. Yes. Is that you're, you're never home. You're working late at night. You know, um, you know, clients want to come in after work, which means you're not home with your family. Correct. So for me, and we discussed this at length, if I'm not going to be home with my family, I want my team to be fucking awesome. Yes. Because if I'm not with people I love, it, it really becomes a drag. Absolutely. And I can tell you there's been a paradigm shift within myself. It's it's I don't mind working those hours anymore because I'm truly with a group of people that I love, and it's who fundamentally also don't mind working those hours. And, and who also <laughs> don't mind collaboratively yes. working those hours. And you know, work can be funny, work can be serious, um, but at the same time, they're all here for a single purpose, which is to do their job, also have fun, also engage, also grow as people. But it. it, it, it Again, I can't say it enough. It's changed how I am as a person. It's changed how I approach work. Yes. And I think that that's imperative for everyone in the wedding industry, especially when you give, given the fact that people are giving up, you know, so much family time to be able to do what we do. 100%. And you're not taking that lightly either. And the thing that I always knew about you, uh, especially when we started, what I got to learn about you is that you were that no bullshit type of person. You were very honest about what, what it was going to be yeah. in terms of that person's work experience here. Mm -hmm. And so being able to convey that to somebody like, Hey, this is, this is a difficult job to do. You're going to be away from your family a lot of the time, especially on weekends when you normally would be hanging out with them. So you need to be okay with that upon coming in. And I I believe that the truth and being transparent with people is one of the first steps into creating that amazing culture, not bullshitting them and saying that, you know, selling them this dream that's all, you know, sugarcoated basically <laughs> and yep. ignores all the work and the sacrifice that is that is a big part of that. So it's really important that you did that. And it's funny, you brought up a topic that I think is really good. And, and I've actually, from your influence, started reading some Marcus Aurelius's writing. So, <laughs> um, and I know you're going to know about this since you're, you're, you're deep in it, right? Yes. Um, but you talk about stoicism. Yes. And I think everyone in the wedding industry, we deal with chaos. It's controlled mm-hmm. chaos. Yes. We're planning a live event for 
for one year that lasts four hours that 500 guests are at. You know, I'll give you an example. I did an amazing wedding last weekend. I'm at the Pierre Hotel. Uh, you know, they plan the event for however many months leading into it, 500 people. And this has to be executed perfectly at five o'clock. There's 10 wedding planners, 20 people on stage performing music, 50 people from the florist decorating, a team of 10 photographers. There's a lot, a yes. lot of pressure for this to execute. A lot going well. on simultaneously. And, and yeah, it's controlled chaos, right? And, and literally it's all happening so that it's 7.01 when 500 guests walk in this room. <laughs> it, it truly looks, you know, it's been transformed into this wedding magic, wedding magic land. So within that chaos, though, a lot of times it can get really stressful. Yes. And, and we've, we've spoken about this at length. And one point you brought out to me is that stoicism and, you know, there's almost like this cliche, I feel like sometimes where it's like, if you go meditate, you sit on a rock and cross your arms. And, and you said, no, it doesn't have to be that. Stoicism means you can be content with whatever your surroundings are, no matter what they are. And Marcus really yes. talks about this. It's not where you are, it's who you are in that current state. Correct. So in that wedding, you know, as that's happening, I'll take a minute for myself. Yes. And I don't go meditate, but it's that con concept of just taking a minute, breathing, making sure, getting back to my centered self, right? But that allows me for the next three hours to crush it for my clients. Yes. And even though it's only 90 seconds or 120 seconds before that controlled chaos happens, we can all do that. And I see it. I see people freaking out at yes. weddings sometimes. And I'm like, dude, you just got to chill, man. Yeah, you <laughs> you know? breathe, take a minute and just get back <laughs> yeah. here into the present. And I think from your standpoint and from your, you know, your studies, I think everyone would be it would be a benefit to everyone that's listening to this. If you could expand on that concept a little yes. bit to people in the wedding industry, hey, shit's about to go down. Total madness is breaking out, but you can still be centered within yourself, still have a good time, take a deep breath and get the job done. Yes. Okay. So there's a few points to address here. Um, so the interesting thing is, at least about my business, is that I've made the decision to fuse two ancient philosophies, right? Stoicism, Zen Buddhism. Sure. And so the Zen Buddhism with the meditation, everything like that, it's all about being in the present, whereas the Stoicism is about using your rationality to focus on what you can control, using your reason choice to be able to navigate the chaos, right? Because you can't control the environment, yes. but you can control yourself. So it's about bringing those two things together, especially basically what you mentioned. And the reality is you don't need to be, you know, out in a forest or at a, at a monastery <laughs> sitting for hours and hours, right? You need that maybe 90 seconds, 120 mm -hmm. seconds to just recenter, come back to the present and then focus on what you can control. Because although there's chaos around you, the chaos itself doesn't agitate you. It doesn't throw you off your game. What throws you off your game is the opinions, the feelings. And it's not that feelings are wrong, because I think that's a, that's a thing that many people get misconstrued about stoicism, right? It's not to ignore your emotions. It's to deal with them properly, to address them. Because when you have an emotion that's unpleasant, it's a signal that something is off between your internal belief system and the reality around you. Yes. You have not made that connection, that alignment. So the idea here is to use what is called the dichotomy of control, which comes from Epictetus, yes. who's also a stoic. And this stoic specifically was a slave. So talk about an environment that was, you know, wildly <laughs> fucked up for most of his life. <laughs> and know? completely out of control. Yeah, completely out of his control. His rights were taken away. Like basic rights. He was a slave. And he created the dichotomy of control, which is to focus on what you can and let go of and accept what you cannot. And the things that you cannot control are the environment, other people, their thoughts and opinions, the whole idea of even your own physical body. You're not always in control of that. You can get sick. Something can happen. You can get injured. That's not always up to you and your property. So the idea is to bring your focus back to what you can control and understand that you don't have to have an opinion about all that chaos. 
You can simply be here in the moment, do what you need to do without any attachment to how it's going to really turn out, but do your thing, do what you were made for, and really harness the skill set that you built to get to where you're at. It's funny. It's making me think of a story. We did a wedding over the summer, and the planner goes, it's going to rain. She's freaking out. It's going to yeah. rain. And I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's going to rain. Yeah. Like Your reaction to the rain right now is causing everyone else to be super stressed out in this yeah. situation. Whereas if you said, okay, guys, it's going to rain, but we have a plan B, which we did. You know, we're going to have the ceremony inside and it's going to be beautiful. Instead, now the bride's crying. She allowed the out external, nothing yes. she can control is happening. Everything that she can't control is now happening, right? The rain's coming, the bride's stressed out. But her reaction to that could have simply just been that, hey, this is what it is. We're going to make the best of the situation. Yes. Instead, now it's the opposite. It's, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. And that I don't think necessarily fares well for anybody in, involved no, in this. No, most definitely not. Um, the reason why is because especially with the bride being the person that everybody's there to see, if she's emotional, if she's off her game, so to speak, everyone will be. Because she's essentially leading that interaction. She's yes. the most imp important person there. Um, and it's interesting to get upset about the rain. <laughs> <laughs> it's nature. <laughs> when you separate yourself from nature, for one, that's one of, one of the ways in which you do damage to your own soul. Sure. Is one, one thing that Marcus Aurelius would talk about when you separate yourself from the idea of nature. The other thing, too, is that the root cause of all suffering that's talked about in Buddhism is attachment. And that can be attachment to the outcome that you want it to be a specific way. And especially in weddings. Right. Everybody has this vision, this ideal yes. and believes that happiness basically or happiness with the experience is your ideals match your reality. Yes. That's not the case. <laughs> happiness is presence and detachment, you know, to be in the moment, to let go and have one of those moments where, you know, you're so present, it feels like an eternity. And when things are in line and when you're embracing the environment as well as the parts that you can control, you can create that eternity type feeling, that like fantasy Yes, that, that people have in their weddings despite. Yeah. And I, and I agree totally. Like people, again, it's that lack of presence within the situation is that's thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. How's everyone reacting? How many Instagram likes am I getting? Which yes. is something we deal with right yeah, now. Is, you know, in the social media world is we have almost a perverse sense of self where detached in this weird way because everything filters now through some social media app, you know, and, and again, it takes away from, from the present. Yes. Uh, but one thing I definitely wanted to ask you, right, is, is from a, you work with a lot of business owners, right? And mm -hmm. I know, you know, again, like I said, in the wedding industry, we have a ton, a ton of people who are, who are small business owners, yes. you know, and they don't have those resources. So for people who don't have that, who may not be able to say, Hey, you know, coach isn't right for me. Can you give some feedback, some tips, some things that you said, or even things you've worked with me on, and, you know, feel free to talk about whatever um, that they can implement, right? Yes. Or, and again, some people in the wedding industry, like I have a friend who's a wedding planner and she works by herself. So her team is herself. Mm. And, and that's prevalent a lot too. So in that scenario, it's becoming the best version of yourself because yes. you have to carry all those hats. You don't, you're not building a team in the way I am, but you're your own personal team. Correct. So here's the, the thing to look at that, the lens to look at that through is you either live in one of two places. You either live at the cause of your life or at the effect. Mm -hmm. Now, this is also true with business. It's not just personal life. Now, a lot of the time when people are making big changes, they're, they're making strides. They're at the cause of most areas of their life, but not, nobody is at the cause of everything. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a, you know, a, a flaw, a, a, a hole in their, their whole plan, their armor, whatever you want to call it. And the coach is there to basically point out the blind spots, to reinforce what you're doing really well so you keep doing it and you magnify the success of those things. 
but also to point out the blind spots and have an objective view. And you're not going to have an objective view of yourself. One of the most difficult things that you could possibly do. You can do it temporarily, but it's very difficult to continuously look at yourself through an objective lens. At the same time, friends and family are not going to give you necessarily an objective viewpoint because it's possible that your decision affects them. So it's, it's therefore impossible for them to be completely objective. Yes. And also the same thing with a, with a colleague, a colleague or a manager or, or clients for that matter, they can't be objective with you either. Your decisions will affect them. Yes. So as long as they have some stake in it, that's not going to happen. So we need to look at basically in these scenarios, are you at cause or you're at effect? And a lot of the time it's w- being willing to, to admit when we are at the effect of something versus being responsible and at the cause that opens that door to improvement. So to explain essentially what that means, when you're living at cause, you are taking responsibility for everything that goes on in your environment. Yes. When you're living at the effect, you are basically allowing the environment to tell you what's going on, what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, and who you are. So you often, if you're living at the effect, one sign of it is you're engaging in blame. You're constantly complaining about you know what other people are doing wrong. <laughs> you're never taking any kind of so responsibility. always being the victim. Right, always being the victim essentially is, is the best way to put it. So we all have areas of our life where we're really good at them, and we live in cause. We're responsible. We take control. We're the person in the driver's seat. And then there are other areas where we're at the, we're at the effect or kind of, you know, we have a story. We don't have a result that we're getting. We have a lack of result. And we have a story instead. So this happens a lot of the time with business owners, especially in specific instances of, or, or specific areas of their business. They can be amazing at sales, amazing at marketing, but really bad at keeping the book straight, <laughs> right? Or really bad at being able to have the tough conversations with their employees. And those tough conversations are costing them money ultimately. So by, by having the objective viewpoint, and you and I have gone through this too, it is a, a very valuable asset to be able to have that bird's eye view of what you're doing personally. To have somebody who is respecting you enough to call you out on your shit when you need it. Yes. But simultaneously being there from a place of appreciation, understanding, and respect for who you are as a person. And not labeling you or thinking that you're less than. But really looking at you for, for who you are and then being able to call you out on your shit when it's necessary. So if you're that single person, right? So you literally like you're a wedding planner. A lot of wedding planners yeah. who may not have a full team or a full staff. And they say to themselves you know, maybe it's time to hire a business coach, right? Or some some form of someone. You think that just from a basic standpoint of, hey, just having a, a second opinion to bounce stuff off yes. of is where it's at. Yeah, even, even that as a minimum, right? Having a second opinion to bounce stuff off of, but also having somebody who understands human emotion, understands human psychology and belief systems and can show you where one of them may not be supporting you. And I mean, you've you've seen this in experiences in sessions before where one single belief that you've had since you were early 20s was still here now, you know, still affecting you to this degree and not allowing you to press forward on certain aspects of the business. And then, you know, you can change it like that. Yeah. Right. Just by figuring out where it's coming from and then basically re rewiring that whole thing. So ironically, we're in the, the business of marriage, right? Yes. And, I, and I always think there's an interesting paradox for people who work in the wedding industry versus people who are our clients and get yes. married. Um, the difference is they may work Monday through Friday, nine to five, mm-hmm. and we work on their weddings on the weekends. Yes. They get married once we work with, you know, if I work 40 weekends a year, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I think comes up a lot is there's an incredible amount of dysfunction in the private personal relationships of people who work in the industry. Yes. They don't necessarily talk about it, but all of a sudden you hear someone, they're like, oh my God, I'm so in love on Instagram. And then two weeks later, they're like, yeah, we just filed for divorce last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, like whoa, whoa. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, you're like, whoa. 
But I think, you know, especially from my own experience, you know, being almost 40 years old, having, you know, been in a five-year long-term committed relationship, what, how do you, and I know you work a lot, and the reason I'm asking this, I know you work a lot with people, especially on entrepreneurs and balancing relationships. Yes. So for us in the wedding industry, it's ironic, like I just said, we're, we're, we're working with people who are getting married and often uh, our own personal relationships at home are suffering because, yes. you know, how many times can you tell your spouse or significant other on a Saturday night, hey, babe. I know there's 52 weekends in a year. By the way, I'm unavailable 40 of them. Um, and yeah, I know that that's like 38 birthday parties, christenings, communions, baptisms, bar mitzvahs. I'm not going to eat any of those. Yes. And if you could maybe if you want a Monday, you yeah. know, or, you know, and Sundays are busy too. Yeah. Um, and you miss out on a lot of those. So I know we've spoken about this. How would you suggest or in essence coach people to say, hey, look, this is the career you've chosen, but you got to find that balance and you got to find that interpersonal relationship connection. Otherwise, if you don't have that at home, it's going to be really stressful for you on the business as well. Just to just to clarify what you're asking here, are you talking more so in terms of the personal side of somebody's relationships yeah. when they're a business owner? Uh, so we have, yeah, exactly. So personal people, business owners in the wedding industry who are who always are having, having issues with their own who are having okay, their own, gotcha, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. having their own issues. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. they're having their own issues. So they're, they're, you know, they're doing great at work, yes. but their personal life with their spouse's toe or girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it may be, is completely gone to shit because they're never around. Yes. Okay. So this, this part is, is really interesting because I run into this with almost every business owner that I coach. At some point or another, there's an issue with the relationship and it carries over into their professional life, right? The lines start to bleed. And oftentimes what's wrong or what needs to be fixed is not something in the business, but something with the relationship because it's causing that person to have stress come out and basically not be able to operate or function at their best in their business. So one of the important things to remember is this is just like when it comes to hiring people, right? The person that you choose and that you're in relationship with needs to understand from the beginning that this is your career and this is the type of lifestyle it's going to be. And as the person hearing that, you need to be okay with that. One of the biggest problems with relationships is that everybody gives the highlight reel for like a year and a half. <laughs> like, like this is why I'm so amazing. Until they start to, you know, get closer and they start to live together and start to see the bad habits, see the flaws that we all have. And then at that point, then you start to have this chaos because you have these people thinking to themselves, this is not what I signed up for. So one of the most important things in a relationship is honesty and transparency from the beginning. And the line of questioning that I always go through with this, especially when I'm helping clients, whether they're, they've been in a relationship or they're going into one or they, they want one, it's the same line of questioning. Also works the same when it comes to hiring people, which is first and foremost, what do I want to experience? What, how do I want to be treated, right? What's the emotional side of this of that that I need for myself to be fulfilled in this relationship? Secondly, who do I need? What kind of a person? What are their values? What's their long-term vision, their goals? Do they align with mine? Right. So that's your standards and requirements. So what do you want on the emotional side? What are the standards and requirements? And then lastly, and this one's super important, what do I refuse to tolerate? Mm. If you don't answer that question, you can easily be seduced by somebody who seems to meet everything that you want and need and then have a couple of red flags that kind of ruin the whole thing. Mm. And then it builds up, you know, tension. This person's not accepting when maybe in the beginning you said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And they they bullshitted you. They said, oh, yeah, that's fine. But the reality is that's not fine. And it's the lie, the lying as the basis and the foundation of the relationship is where the problem starts. So if somebody is having this issue currently, it's important to come back, have both partners answer those set of questions and have the discussion with each other. 
it's better if you can do it right in the beginning. That's how I've done it with my girlfriend. And for that reason, we're able to align. We don't have you know as many of the average problems that a lot of couples have because we addressed this in the beginning and made sure that we were okay with it and accepting of each other's you know pitfalls and soft spots in the relationship and what the lifestyle would be. Especially if you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> so now that, that, that gets into what, what, what you're saying, I think, for the romantic love yes. relationship, I think is, is brilliant. And I think we can carry those same principles and concepts over to the client-business-owner relationship. Yes. Because all the things you're saying, I think, have that same correlation. If we don't have a discussion with our bride and grooms, and a lot of times their families and their wedding planners, on what the rules of business are going to mm-hmm. be, the boundaries are going to be, um, you cannot call me on Saturday night at, at 10 p.m. Like, Yes. That, that's off limits, right? And yes. some people have a hard time understanding that. I'm like, well, this is a business relationship, not indentured servitude. Let's let's, like, <laughs> let's, do it, let's have clarity. Yes. You're, you're paying me and I will do a great job for you, but we have to set some limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, what you're saying, and if you could kind of, if we could change context and go to the business side of that, from a business owner interviewing the bride. So I'm a wedding photographer. I'm interviewing a bride and groom. We can apply those same concepts. 100%. Uh, simply because establishing the rules of the game early is going to save you a lot of headache. You want to basically get your disagreements out of the way right away. Because if, if you allow them to fester and pile up, they become a much more animated episode of some sort. <laughs> I'm us, sure you've we, experienced we, we, that. Yeah, we call it Bridezilla. You know, it's that Bridezilla. bride. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I think sometimes, and, and I'll talk to people and they'll be like, that client. And I'll say, you know, did they, and sometimes they don't give red flags. Some people don't. They hide it really well, yeah. just like they would in a, in a romantic relationship. But a lot of the time I'll be sitting with somebody and I get, you know, I have a, I'll tell you a story really quick. And I had a parent come in and she goes, how many times do you go to the bathroom throughout the course of an evening? Mm-hmm. And I said, excuse me? She goes, well, the party's four hours. I want to know how many bathroom breaks I can expect you to take over those four hours. Mm. And so if you'd like, I could bring my my phone with me and track the minutes I'm out of the room at the next event. She goes, that would be a great idea. Could you send me the info on Monday? Now, the whole time I'm like, is she actually being serious yeah, about this conversation? Real and, and she was. So as soon yes. as she walked out, I told, you know, I told uh, the Hyla, our salesperson, I'm like, cross them off. Yes. And if they call back, tell them I jumped. Yeah. And she, <laughs> you know, she starts laughing at it. She goes, yeah. I, you know, and again, I think for people we don't we, we might see the dollar sign say okay they're going to pay me x dollars and i really need the money but the back end cost of that spiritually emotionally to your business could be tenfold that yes. so what they give you you might have to pay back 10 times in in blood is how i yes. like to describe it Absolutely, because you can carry that same experience, that same stress that was cultivated from that experience into your home life. And you don't put a financial value on that, especially when you're disconnecting with your kids or your spouse, right? That's You, you can't put a number on that, essentially. So if you're dealing with somebody just because they're giving you the dollars and ultimately you're coming back to your relationships at home and they're falling apart because of all the stress you're bringing on, you're not allowing yourself to have a sense of standards when it comes to your clients and you need to. You can't do business with everybody, otherwise you'd be out of business, right? Because you'd lose your your shit, right? So we want to make sure that who you're doing business with is very similar to how you even attract a partner. You want to have a set of standards, a set of requirements that you need in order to be fulfilled and sustained. Last thing that you want to do is bring that home, right? (laughs) You bring that home, it's, it's really interesting because people always talk about this idea of, you know, when, when we're young, we spend all of our time and energy trying to create wealth and we forget about our health. And then all of a sudden, you know, we become older and then our health is deteriorated and now we got to go back and do that. And you ask yourself, what was the point? It's the same idea here, right? Don't just sacrifice for the dollars just because, you know, that, that client can pay you. Right. If they're not a good fit, emotionally speaking, you're going to bring that shit home with you. Yeah. 
and then not just home, but I think, you know, I think any bad client, it's like that 80-20 rule, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they're going to cause so much detriment, even though it's only 20% of your clients, they're going to take up 80% of your time, 80% of your soul, 80% of your work is going to go to those 20% of the clients who are in all actuality, if you get that vibe, at least I found from my 22 years of doing this, they're never going to be happy with anything anyway. Yeah. So now you're, you're putting yourself in a position, you're setting yourself up to fail. It, there's no win. It's it's a lose, 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 lose for yes. all parties. They walk away unhappy. You walk away stressed and anxious from having to deal with them. And then on top of that, if you have an intimate relationship at home, there's no way for the most part, I think, that you cannot bring some of that home. Oh, so yeah. it's a triple. It's, it's the grand slam of loss. You're, oh, just, yeah. you're not walking away with any benefit. Right. You want you want to work with people who basically energize you, who enrich you, the business experience that you have rather than people who – basically cause you to have a headache because the reality is if you're taking that job, then you're also bullshitting them, right? By saying that you can do what they want (laughs) and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it all. But the point is if you're not in line with that and you're not happy, you're not having fun doing the, the work for them. They're not either. And then, you know, if you could, just to the people who don't have the team at home and maybe single, yes. right? So single person working from her house and that sort of thing. She might be an event coordinator or a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't have a team, but she wants to become a better person. She wants to be a better business person. Yes. Um, can you give some tips, some feedback on what that single person who works from home in the wedding industry can do to elevate themselves, not just spiritually, but to become a better entrepreneur, to become a better business person and a better you know, overall human being? And that's Yes. Sense. Well, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I'd say get yourself a coach. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the solution that I, has always worked for me and my clients. Um, but you know, if you're able to, of course, you know, get yourself a coach, get yourself that second opinion that just even a person to bounce ideas off of a sounding board at the very minimum, but somebody who respects you enough to call you out on your shit. How about an accountability partner? Yeah. Like say coaches on the table. Let's say coaches on the table, table. the very minimum, an accountability partner, but Mm -hmm. not, but one that is serious, that will actually call you out. (laughs) It's not going to be uh, in that space of, you know, okay, yeah, I'll let it slide. No, you want somebody who's going to be on your ass. So if you have somebody in your life like that, then that would be the, I'd say the the minimum. The other thing that, that can be done is oftentimes when we're talking to ourselves, we have this voice in our head, we all have it. And we tend to start believing it. And we think it's right all the time, but you also forget about all the times that that voice in your head led you astray. Yes. (laughs) All the times it was wrong, dead wrong. And so if we sit with ourselves by ourselves too long in a specific task, let's say we're, we're working on our own business or any, anything else, any other area where you feel like you're, it's just you against the world. When you allow your thoughts to continuously come up over and over and over again, you start to believe them, right? You start to see them as facts, you know, and, and they're not. So one thing, one exercise that you can do is turn everything that you're saying into your head it, into a question. Because the moment you use a statement, and, and most of the time when people talk to themselves, they're not asking questions. They're, they're making statements. They're saying, this sucks. This is this. This is that. And when you make statements, you trick your mind into thinking that it's a fact. When you turn it into a question, you basically tell your mind, this is something that can be solved. There is an answer. So that's the difference in just those two things. So if you journal with questions and then you answer the questions in writing, not in your head, but in writing, it will give you a little bit of that sense of objectivity over yourself. And I think one of the most powerful questions you ever asked me is you said, why is this happening for you, Anthony? Mm. Not why is this happening to you? Yes. And, you know, I was going through something tough in my life and you said, look, there's two ways you go about this, bro. You either, you ask yourself this question right now, why is this happening for you? Mm -hmm. And what positive attributions in your life can you take from this? Or you can sit home, cry like a baby, be a victim, and you can sit there and wallow in your own misery. (laughs) And, you know, it's funny, like as these things come up in life, I might have a difficult client and sometimes it's hard, Mm -hmm. but you sit back and you go, okay, 
why is this happening to me? It, and it's happening to me because the universe is telling me, don't ever let this happen again. Mm-hmm. And if I walk, if I look at that, that interaction with that client who drove me absolutely insane, there were signs there mm-hmm. that I never should have taken them on. Yes. So, and now I, I can look at it and go, when I, when I don't play the victim, when mm-hmm. I play the entrepreneur, the active role in that relationship, I can sit there back and say, Hey, this shit's happening to me for a really good reason. Yes. And I'm going to take as much away from this experience to become a better human being, to become a better business person. Then if I do the opposite of, I can't believe this is happening to me. Yes. I'm the victim. Oh my God, my world's coming to an end. When it's not. You of know, course. And we over amplify yeah. all this stuff in our own heads anyway. Uh, when it all actually one bad client's not running your business, you're not going out of business, the world's not coming to an end. But if we take that role of empowerment versus yes. victimization, I think that is a huge, 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 huge tool. Yes. And the, the, the way that I like to look at that is that every challenge, every uncomfortable situation has more to give to you than it has to take away if you're willing to look at it in that way. So most of the time people will look at their challenges for everything that they're taking away. Why does why it sucks, why it's unfair, why it's this, why it's that. And that's an incorrect or an inefficient way to look at it. The reality is your challenges have more to give to you than they do to take away. And if you don't believe me when you're hearing this, if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, think about some of the mo- the toughest times in your life and what you look back on them now. A lot of people say, you know, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. I learned so much. It made me who I am today. That's right. Because it taught you all those lessons that you wouldn't have gotten in a cushy, comfortable environment. So the interesting thing is when people go and work out every day, right? You have people who go to the gym every day. They do martial arts classes, fitness classes, whatever the case is. They're not looking. That's a challenge they're walking Mm -hmm. into. That's an adversity they're putting themselves into. The crazy thing about it is that they don't look at it for what it's taking away. But when it happens outside in their life or in their business, now it's now it's happening to me. So instead, what you want to ask is exactly what you did. You know, why is this happening for me? Or what if this was happening for me? Another line of questioning similar to that that I like to ask is, what is the gift or opportunity Uh here? Because in every question, you have a presupposition. You have to have a belief in order to ask a question. So I have to believe there's a gift, there's an opportunity there in order to even ask that question. So it tells my brain there is something here. And no matter how, whether our beliefs are true or false, whether fact or fiction, if we believe it, if we have a feeling of certainty around it, we will look at the world through that lens. So if you're looking at the world through the lens of everything is a gift, everything is an opportunity for me to grow, for me to become a better person, you'll start to shift your psychology, your whole way of thinking. So that's, that's one of the ways that I always look at things. Your challenges have more to give you than they do to take away. Which is ironic. We were talking about Simon Sinek before, and he talks about the tribal mentality and how through our toughest times and most adverse times is what brings teams together the most. And if you actually look at people uh, and and they discuss, they don't necessarily discuss the good times. They discuss the times when they really hung in there and really Mm. gutted it out versus the times that life was just too easy. And it's through those challenges and adversities that the real growth and the real human potential is seen. Yes, 100%. And this is the interesting thing that I always remind myself because obviously I still train a lot of martial arts that I've been doing since I was a kid. And there are some classes where like, I just feel like I want to die. <laughs> you know, like when, when there's, you know, jiu-jitsu, it's a hard class. You're, you know, you're getting beat up by higher belts or whatever the yep. case is. And you're thinking to yourself, man, this sucks. And you're having all this inner chatter. And one thing that I always remind myself of in the tough times, whether it's in my martial arts training or in my business or in my personal life is I chose to be here. Yes. I played some part in this. Yes. What did I do? <laughs> How can I fix it? What's a better way of looking at it? What's a new strategy? How can I change my approach here? Right. Any any one of those questions will do. But the point is to take ownership first because if you don't own the experience, you're not the boss. 
you're at the mercy of the world around you. Yeah, I think the interesting thing you talk about, and we talked about my own coaching experience, and I think at any high level, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a huge sports fan. I know as, as you are, whether it's MMA, basketball, everyone has a coach. Yeah. And ironically, in the world of entrepreneurs, that's not necessarily the same. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of people I know who are very successful entrepreneurs who leave a lot on the table a lot of the time because they don't have that person. You know, and I think you reach a certain level of success, you know, after 22 years, people just want to tell you how good you are. Yes. You're like, oh, that's a great picture. And I'll be like, no, that really, that kind of sucked. Like, I could have done better. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 it's great. And I'm like, you just saying that because you're pre-programmed yes. to not actually say, hey, you, you could have done better because yeah. you might be fear of losing your job or ego, whatever, whatever factors play into it. But when you have a coach that has the objective, you know, Conor McGregor, greatest yeah. martial in the world, he has a coach. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> a bunch of them. He's yeah. got a coach for a lot of different things. Exactly. Um, and he wouldn't be able to do what he does without a coach because he couldn't ever see his opponents yes. or in our case, the business world or our businesses or mm-hmm. his inner team objectively through his own lens because he needs that outside opinion. Yes. And I know from my own personal experience, when I had that outside opinion in my business, I don't want to say it pushed me, but it, it allowed me the point of saying, hey, I have this issue. And you'd go, hey, man, well, maybe we could attack it from A, B, or C. Or have you looked at it from this perspective? Mm. Or you used to ask me a lot, is this serving you? Mm. And and that's a, that, and you, when you look at things in terms of service, right? Mm. So I am now, I look at myself as a business owner, as I am a servant to yes. my employees or my team, however you want to phrase it, but I'm of service to them. So I come here to serve them, yes. not the other way around. And I'm there to give them, to empower them, to make them better people. What that's done for me has been the biggest gift in the world because yes. it's given me a higher sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm not just taking pictures at weddings. I'm empowering and bettering people's lives. Yes. And not just my clients, my inner team, my family. I mm-hmm. want them to achieve great things. I want them to be better people. And when when I came to that and I started to serve instead of to think that, hey, everyone's here because I'm the owner and they want to... No. I'm here to serve people. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been a huge shift in not just my mentality, but my overall well-being and, yes. and having that sense of purpose. When I come to work, I have a higher level of energy because my purpose is so much deeper now. And I know it might sound hokey pokey, but it's really not at the core fundamental. When that purpose becomes so deep, everything else becomes second. Yes, because you're a human being and our nature coming full circle to what we talked about in the beginning, your nature is to cooperate with others. So one thing that I always talk about with clients is I asked them the question, well, where is your intention at, right? Is your intention based on yourself or is it based on other people? Because the only way that you can actually suffer and not perform is when you're thinking about you. When you're thinking about the employees, the clients, and your family and serving them, it's a completely different playing field because as human beings, we're social animals. So we didn't survive all the generations and thousands of years because we were, you know, I can do everything by myself. Like, I don't need anybody. We weren't, we didn't survive because of that. We're not lone wolves. (laughs) We survived because we're social and we're able to band together and use a collective mentality to basically develop ourselves to move forward through the generations and survive despite not being the fastest, strongest, or biggest animals on the food chain, right? It had to do with our ability to bond together. So the whole idea here is this. If your intention is about you, you're only going to get so far. You're going to go to the level of your comfort zone. If your intention and your purpose is about serving others, you magnify the level at which you will, you know, show up. Right? Think about, you know, you've had a project that you had to do for yourself. It was late. And you're like, all right, fuck this. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but then you think about something that you had to do for somebody else, somebody you cared about or a client, you know, you, you worked double. Yes. <laughs> you stayed up late. You woke up early because your purpose was magnified. Therefore, your comfort zone is magnified. 
shit, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think you couldn't be more spot on, you know, and I think for, for all of us, I think we all struggle, you know, it's uh, whether it's whatever industry we're in, you know, and if you don't have that deep sense of purpose, I don't think it's just wedding related. I think it becomes much harder yes. to pour yourself into it. But specifically, I think from what I know about people that I've worked with throughout the years of doing this in this specific industry, it is a little tougher because you are giving up your weekends mm -hmm. and you are giving up that family time, which we yes. just spoke about a few minutes ago. So when you have that deeper purpose, I think everything inherently falls right into place the way yes. it should be. It energizes you. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's not hard to have a lot of energy when you have a lot of people on the line, so to speak, that you are serving and that you're contributing to. It's easy to be low energy when you're just thinking about you. It's your comfort zone. Who cares? It's just about me. <laughs> I can deal without it. <laughs> Man, so I know we've, uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer because I know you have a lot to do and uh, a lot of places to be while you're visiting us in New York. Um, but I, I want just one thing that I ask all my guests. Yes, um, absolutely. You know, and if you could talk to yourself 10, 15 years ago as a coach, uh -huh. what, would be, <laughs> what, what would be one lesson yes. that you wish you implemented or you wish you learned that now as, as a grown man, you can look back on and say, man, that was, that would have changed my life. Okay. This is a, this is a good <laughs> one. Cause I have so many <laughs> that I would have given myself, but if I had to boil it down to just one, mm -hmm. I would say it is this idea of focusing on what you can control and letting go of what you cannot. As simple as that is, that has served me beyond anything else that I've learned. Because no matter how many books I read or how many seminars I attend or, you know, how many great coaches I hire, if I'm focused on everything that's not within my control or if I'm looking for the answers from other people versus looking within and, and on the things that I can control or what I do already have, I'm not going to get very far. So it's, it's that lesson of let me bring my mindset back to what I can control. Let me let go of the parts that I can't control and embrace them, embrace the chaos and move forward completely present because I've focused on what I can control and what I do have. That's perfect, man. And, you know, I just want to uh, commend you. I want to thank, thank you, you for coming here. I want to thank you for all the work you've done with me. Um, if you would tell everyone where they can find you on social. Absolutely. So uh, if you guys are looking into learning more about Zen or Stoicism or about a lot of the content that we talked about, you can find me at Zen Stoic Mastery on Facebook, Zen Stoic underscore V on Instagram. And you can also look into any platform and look at or listen to the Zen Stoic podcast. Um, it's on every platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, whichever, whatever you your fancy is you'll find it there so the zen stoic podcast we do an episode six days a week uh seven to 15 minutes little bite-sized episodes single lessons that you can really take with you cool. and we'll, we'll include links on all the show notes as well and if people want to uh, inquire about hiring you as a business slash life slash zen stoic coach yes. how, how do we go about finding you? Uh, so you guys can message me at the zen stoic mastery page on facebook i'm always checking those messages so if you want to jump on a call we can absolutely do that just feel free to shoot me a message on there cool man well i want to thank you for being here bro right, i love thank you, you man Thank Love you so you, much, bro. Thank you. Awesome, man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in. You can find us online at anthonyvasquezworkshops.com, as well as on social, on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube at Anthony Vasquez Workshops. We look forward to seeing you there.